Good morning, church. I don't know how you prepare for things, but we had um, a strategy meeting in the office uh, last this week, and just it was really interesting listening to Pastor Julian about how he gets the messages, and he just gets his messages through a Bible verse and then just moves out that Bible verse. And I was listening to him and thinking, "Wow, that is so not what I do." And it's not wrong, and he's not right, and I'm not right, and he's not wrong. It's just how we find our messages. It's just really, really funny. And for some of you who've been around a long time, you will have seen some of the places I've got my messages. Some of them have been from a film, and I've just seen a little bit of a film, and it's evoked that emotion in me, and you've just had that Holy Spirit moment, that serendipity moment when you think, Whoa, there's a message in there. Some of you have seen things that I've done that I have actually had that experience in my life. Uh, Some people can remember the plug that I thought was a rat and that a preach came out of it. Sometimes it's been something physical. Who, I know it was a long time ago. Does anybody remember why I did this? I do not know. But I made a bedside table with my electric drill, having never used one before, and did it on the table, uh, did it on here as I was preaching bits and bringing it back to just doing that. I can tell you now, because it's a long time ago, and that person isn't here, that somebody did come up to me and say, you do realise you put the bottom on the top of the table. (laughs) So since then, I've decided mechanical things are not my thing with preaching. But this message came from a very different way. It came from a book, and it just came from the title of a book. Going down to Cornwall, it's part two of my mum's 80th celebrations with all the family. I just love a Kindle. You can just download as many as you like as samples, can't you? And then you read it and you think, oh, well, that wasn't what I thought it was going to be. Delete. Oh, my goodness, that's so much better. Bye. So I was reading through this and I just got to this book and the title. And the title was, and you'll know the book and you'll know the author, Love like you've never been hurt. I'm going to say that again. Love like you've never been hurt. And in all honesty, for five minutes, I just read the title over and over again. And it evoked so many emotions in me about how I do love, how I do care for people. And are there things that stop me? And can I put it in a very simplistic way? My volume of love, is my volume on 10? Or has it gone down to five? Because something's stopping me loving a person because there's some hurt in me. Let's acknowledge straight away we've all been hurt. I could tell you so many stories of how I've been hurt, hurt through Uh, through myself, my husband's business, we've been stolen from, we've done lovely things and we've put people through driving tests and put them through RHS exams to them to then steal off us and do something incredibly horrible. Do you know that's just life? And we have to acknowledge that life does happen and it happens to all of us. It's just not us. We haven't got, none of us have a little signal over our head going, hurt me, hurt me, hurt me. We all get hurt. And I want to tell you just one very quick story of some hurt 
that I went through. And it was a family, because it hurts when it comes from inside, doesn't it? It come, really hurts. Sometimes from outside, you can deal with it. But when it comes from the inside, it's really hurtful. We have a very, very close family, my, my husband's side of the family I'm talking about, very close, until five years ago. Um, we have um, a lovely, uh, who's my co- she's my cousin-in-law. She was lovely. We had such a great relationship with her. And we have, I had a text on my phone, which was just the most gorgeous text. It was a little bit over the top. I'm sure we don't. But it was sort of, you know, every time I, I think of you, I get tears in my eyes for what you and Greg have done for me. You've helped us out so much, blah, 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 blah. I was godmother to her oldest son. Then a situation happened. And from that, the next text is quite a horrible text that she never wants anything to do with us again because of a situation that we were nothing to do with. So I've sent birthday presents to my godson. I've had them sent back. I've popped presents in the, on the doorstep for, the, for my um, niece and nephew. I've been told they've been put in the bin. Don't ever do that again. And not in a nice way. I've sent Christmas cards, returned to sender. I just can't get through. But you know what? I know I have done nothing wrong. I've apologised for the nothing, because sometimes you think you've done nothing wrong and you have, you hadn't seen I've apologised, I've done everything. But you know, I am ready for that breakthrough. She's been to this church. My niece and my uh, godson have been to this church countless times, but we have not spoken them for five years. And the point when I was writing this preach was to say to you, there's no happy ending. Because sometimes you've just got to stand and wait. And as you wait, you love. You don't hurt. But funny how things happen, that on Friday, my godson saw his granddad for the first time in five years. I tell you, church, there's a breakthrough coming, and I'm ready to love like I've never been hurt. That girl I'm going to wrap in my arms, I'm going to kiss my godson, he's 17 now, he's going to hate it, I know, and my niece I'm going to wrap up in my arms. I am going to spoil them, I'm going to love on them as much as I can, because I am going to love like I've never been hurt. But do you know what? It's hard. It's hard. And for some of you here, you are hearing me going, I'm not sure I could do that. Well, I can tell you I can do that in this situation. But there might be other situations in my life that I'm having to learn to love like I've never been hurt. We do not love as the world loves, church. We do not. The world loves conditionally. Only when my expectations are met, you know, I want to know that you're the same economic standard as I am. Then I can be your friend. I want to know that you like the clothes that I like. I'll be your friend and I'll love you because you go to the same gym as I do. Come on, this is real. This is out in the world. This should not be in the church. Or I'll love you when it feels good. It doesn't always feel good. It's not going to feel good when I meet 
my family member. It's not going to feel good. I'm not going to know what's going to go, but I'm going to love. And I want to love. I could easily forget and think, that's it. Rub them out of the family tree. But I refuse to do that. I will love because, and as if I've never been hurt. Do you know, church, this morning I want to tell you, we've got to love the God way. And I think there's only one person who can tell you how to love. And we've got a media shot here, and that's Jesus. And he's going to tell us how we should be loving. If I speak with human eloquence and angelic ecstasy but don't love, I'm nothing but the creaking of a rusty gate. If I speak God's word with power, revealing all his mysteries and making everything plain as day, and if I have faith that says to the mountain, jump, and it jumps, but I don't love, I'm nothing. If I give everything I own to the poor, and even go to the stake to be burned as a martyr, but I don't love, I've gotten nowhere. So no matter what I say, what I believe, what I do, I'm bankrupt without love. Love never gives up. Love cares more for others than for self. Love doesn't want what it doesn't have. Love doesn't strut, doesn't have a swelled head, doesn't force itself on others, isn't always me first, doesn't fly off the handle, doesn't keep score of the sins of others, doesn't revel when others grovel, takes pleasure in the flowering of truth, puts up with everything, trusts God always, always looking for the best, never looks back but keeps going to the end. Love never dies. When I was an infant in my mother's breast, I gurgled and cooed like an infant. But when I grew up, I left those infant ways for good. We don't see things clearly. We're squinting in a fog, peering through a mist. But it won't be long before the weather clears and the sun shines bright. We'll see it all then. See it as clearly as God sees us, knowing him directly just as he knows us. But for right now, until that completeness, we have three things to do to lead us towards that consummation. Trust steadily in God. Hope unswervingly. Love extravagantly. And the best of the three is love. And the best of the three is love. We're in a season of this church where if you're in a small group, you're doing a, a Bible study on natural evangelism. We're in a season of this church of being the friend evangelism, of bringing people to church. We are a friendly church. Look how good our Connect team is. They are friendly people. And you guys, you are friendly. You spot the new person, you talk to them, you welcome them. But what I want and what God wants and actually what you want too is to be a loving church. By all this, by all, the, all men will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. If we have love for one another, not friendliness, but love for one another. Those doors are going to be open with people walking through. They're going to be, people are wanting to know, hey, why do you love me so much? Our neighbours. And so when we ask them to church, we say, we'll bring you to church. They're just going to come. 
because it'd be through the love. Our love volume needs to be on number 10. But my question today, and this is where we're going to go on a little journey, is what is happening and has happened in your life that tests you in the way that you love? Because I spoke at the beginning, we've all been hurt. And sometimes those hurts bring our love volume down. Is it family loss, family breakups, loss of a job, bereavement, betrayal? Have you been stolen from? Have you been physically hurt? These are real. These are hard and they hurt. But if you want to love like you've never, ever been hurt, you've got some decisions to make. Sometimes things do get broken and they can never be put back exactly the same way. You know when you've broken a vase? I think I've done it in the past and tried to glue it together so that my parents never saw that I'd broken it. But it's never the same, is it? There's always something. You've either put the, something back or you've missed a little bit of the china. It is never the same. But you know, our God makes all things new. And this morning, I am believing for some new things to happen. I'm believing that family relationships are going to be made new. Friendships are going to be made new. Marriages are going to be made new. Things are going to be made new. Things that were broken because you were so, so hurt. God, this morning, is going to make them new. So we have some decisions to make. And I just want to lead you through some, I think it's five points I've got. And the first point is to choose love over hurt. And I want to tell you the story, and I'm going to do it in a very Sally way, so I'm not going to get it all correct, about Joseph. We all know about Joseph. He was the second youngest son. He was the favourite And sometimes he was a little bit foolish, like telling your brothers that one day they're going to bow down in front of him. So the brothers, not happy. So they decide, first of all, to scheme to murder him. Great brothers. Some of you might think, ha, my siblings are so much better than that. They've never thought to murder me. So, yeah, they're going to murder him. They slightly dilute it a little bit and think, no, do you know what? We'll send him away for slavery. So they do that. He's sold as a slave, he's betrayed, and he's abandoned. How hurt must he have been? He then works in the palace. He's then wrongly accused of rape and put into prison. Joseph's life up to then isn't a bundle of laughs, is it? His fortune changes through his dreams, and it changes dramatically, and he becomes second in charge There's a famine, and on that day, as a famine, his brothers walk into the palace. They don't recognize him at all, and they're asking for food. They're asking for help. These are the brothers who contrived to murder him and sold him for a slave. And, you know, also, don't we honor that? And because of that, then I was falsely accused of rape. We do that in our lives. Yeah, because of them, then this happened. That's Joseph. He's got some rights, hasn't he, to do that. He's got some rights to say these brothers have caused all of this stuff. And why should he give them anything for what they've done to him? 
But Joseph loves like he's never been hurt. And he comes down, he loves on his brothers, and he restores them. And that relationship is restored. But Joseph had a choice, love over hurt. Some of you here have got some decisions to make. Am I choosing love or am I choosing hurt? I'd recommend you choose love. Second person is Corrie Ten Boone. Now, some of you might not know, but growing up in my Christian late teens, everybody read the Corrie Ten Boone. You just had to. If you're a Christian, you read the Bible and Corrie Ten Boone. There are a few other books you read, but that was it, Corrie Ten Boone. So Corrie Ten Boone lived in Holland through the Second World War, very, very strong Christian. She had a lovely sister called Betsy. They were hiding Jewish people in their house. They were betrayed by some neighbours, so they went to Ravensbrück, which is one of those awful concentration camps. Both are badly treated, and her beloved sister Betsy dies. In the 1950s, at a Christian meeting, she sees one of her captors. She sees the guard. As she sees him, she sees him in the normal clothes. And in her book, she talks about suddenly she sees him in the prison outfit. She sees him with the the baton that he used to beat them with. And she sees him. And in that, she has been there. She's preaching. She's preaching about forgiveness. She's preaching about love. And she just glances him and she continues just thinks, oh, that's it. But he comes up to her, doesn't recognize her, and he goes, you mentioned Ravensbrook. I was a guard at Ravensbrook. I am now a Christian. I know my God and your God has forgiven me. But I know, I'm going to quote it, I know God has forgiven me for the cruel things I did there. But can I shake your hand and hear you say that you forgive me. Corrie had a choice then, love or hurt. She could have let rip on that man. She could have actually made a scene. She could have let people know where he came from. She's obviously in his town, obviously 1950s. It's a long time from the war. That man could have been, you know, things could have happened in the town. She doesn't. She puts her hand out and she says, I forgive you. Because she loved over her hurts. What about Jesus then? Jesus, who came to save us. He's betrayed by his own disciple. He's abandoned by others. And he's tortured and killed by the people he came to save. He's been betrayed. He's been hurt. But you know, when he's on the cross, he says, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they are doing. Jesus loved like he'd never been hurt. He is our greatest example. So the first one is choose love over hurt. Number two is always love others. Love never fails. Turn to the person on your left, your right, behind you, and just tell them, love never fails. And we need to get hold of that. Because that is the answer. That is the answer to our hurt, to the situations that we we find ourselves, that we need to love. I think of the prodigal son's father. And for those of you, I'll just synopsis the story. 
Man has two sons. One of them asks for all his inheritance and goes off and has a nightclub-y lifestyle and gets, loses all his money. But he comes back. But how did that son, that father, feel? How do we feel sometimes when our children hurt us? Maybe some people, our children, have turned away from God, turned away from the things that we value so much. Sometimes, sometimes children will just turn away from our lifestyles. And in this book, I did read the first chapter. That's what happened to Jensen Franklin. He's, and he's, if you don't know, he's an amazing preacher, very well known in America, preaches for Hillsong. His daughter did exactly that. So this phenomenal preacher has a daughter who completely changes her lifestyle. She gets married and just, they just get a telegram. Oh, yeah, we just got married. He doesn't get invited. How hurt. And some of you here are hurt because of things that have gone on with your, with your children. Some of you are grandparents and you're hurt by your grandchildren. Some of you, it's your godchildren. Some of it's your, your, those, just those people that you've got so close to and so loved and they've turned their back on you. Sometimes the people that we love, they turn to other things, addictions. Sometimes there's pregnancies and abortions, drugs involved. What do we do? Love never fails. This is not the time to give up on them. This is the time that you need to show that love. You keep inviting them round. You keep emailing, WhatsApping, texting. You arrive on their door with presents. You keep loving them. And as a church, and I'm talking worldwide, sometimes we have let go of those people. They're not doing what we said. That's the world's way of loving. Oh, you're not coming up to my standards, so off you go. No. Love never fails. We bring them in. We get closer to them and we love them like we've never been hurt. When you love someone, it will not fail. You will get them. I will get that family member. I will get back to relationship with my, my um, uh, godson and his sister. We will, I know, because love never fails. So for those of you who are thinking this is impossible, our God is a God of the possible. Love never fails. Number three, be determined, move on and push push forward. Some of you have been hurt. We've spoken about this again. And believe me, I don't want this to be an inward-looking preach. It sounds like it is at the moment. Why I'm doing this is I want you to get your love volume so up that you're going to be the best person of bringing people to Jesus. Because I know that's what you all want to do. I know you have your five people, if you're in a small group, on a postcard that you're praying for regularly, talking to. You want them. Sometimes... We just need to turn up that love love volume. And this is the whole purpose of that preach, to make us able to love better. So some of you have been hurt, stolen from, abused, gossiped about. That can be really painful too. And that can make you not want to go around people because, oh, 
I've known people who've gossiped about me, so I don't want to get close to anybody anymore. You've been abandoned. What happens is, this makes it very difficult for you to love again. So maybe you've got some new friends now. Maybe you've got a new husband. Maybe you've got a new wife. Maybe you've got your other children. But maybe there's a barrier because you don't want to get hurt again. So you've pushed them away. And you're just like, because of these hurts, I'm pushing people away. I just, I do, I just can't, can't do that again. I just cannot be hurt again. But you know what? Enough is enough. And today, you need to say, enough is enough. We need to break the cycle. Stop playing the hurt over. If you're like me, sometimes my brain, I don't know if you had a conversation, it might not have gone quite well. You play it over. Mm, And if I'd said that then, then they might have said that. We do it, don't we? Am I the only person who plays scenarios over? But you know, it doesn't help us. And some of you, and I know this because I chat to people here and outside the church, you're playing the scenarios over and over again, and they were 10 years ago. I've even had a chat with somebody who's told me, and it's not anybody in this church, who said that they don't talk to members of their family anymore. They haven't been talking to them for 10 years. I said, so what was it? Oh, well, they did this about two years ago, and then they did that, and then they did it. I said, but what was the whole reason why it all broke up? Oh, I can't remember. (laughs) You can't remember. It couldn't have been that bad then, could it? And it's just grown up in your mind, grown up with different scenarios. We need to stop those and we need to truly, truly love. Do you know, it's time for God to set you free. It's time to heal you and restore you and time for you to go into this world loving like you've never been hurt. Number four, make up your mind to heal your wounds. The devil wants to kill, steal and destroy. And we say that lots and lots of times. But he really does. He really, really, really does. And when you're hurt, I don't know about you, it's a wound. And it's not, you know, those little surface cuts. They they just heal well. We're talking about you're being wounded. And if you look about wounds, and I'm sure some of you have had them before, if they're a bit too deep, they take a long time to heal. And if you don't look after them, (coughs) and if you pick them, (coughs) they will get really nasty. And if we're talking about big wounds, you're going to get septicemia and you're going to die. So that's naturally. Let's think spiritually. Some of you are wounded. Some of you are getting septic. Some of you, that spiritual side of you will die because you're wounded. It's time to heal the wound. It's time to let go. Enough is enough. If your wounds don't heal, they'll get infected and they will kill you. And the fruits of the wounds are they're not letting people in, not being able to love properly, keeping that mask up. Hi, I'm fine. Just don't come near me. No, I'm not sure I really want a coffee. I'm too busy not letting all those people in. Sometimes also, if you've been betrayed, you become the betrayer because it becomes, I'll do it first. 
I'll betray first so you can't betray me. Because last time when I was betrayed, it really hurt. So I'm going first. But the main fruit is you don't love as you've been created to. God has created us to love. And as Christians, we have Jesus living inside of us. We know that we are created by this almighty God. And that's to love others. And love others into the kingdom. That love that each one of us feels for Jesus. We want others to feel that too. So what can we do? First thing to heal your wounds is to acknowledge your hurt. Sometimes we don't even get there. We just go on with life. Today might be the day you go, yep, that's why I get angry. Yeah, that's why I don't want to talk to that person. Yep, that's why this happens. That's why I don't ever want to do anything with anybody I know in business because I've been stolen from. That's why I don't do these things. And the root is there's a hurt. Acknowledge that hurt. That's your first step of recovery. Second one is to share it with someone you trust. Small group leaders are fantastic at doing that. I'm just biased because I love all my small group leaders. They're amazing. But there are other people too. There's friends that you can just share things with. And I think it's really important that we do share things with people and we don't keep the mask up. In Australia, they've just done that, are you okay? And it's a big campaign that you ask people, are you okay? And it's very much for people who are falling into uh, depression, mental anxiety. Sometimes this can fall you in there too, because you're hurting so much. Let's go and ask people, but let's be the people to ask people if they're okay. When you maybe see something about somebody and you're thinking, that doesn't seem right. Are you okay? And let's hear, let's listen to people. Let's check that they really are okay. And let's be ready when they go, no, actually I'm not. Be ready to go, okay, what can I do to help? Who can I get to help you? Because sometimes we don't have the answer but we can actually help other people. Let's be ready. Let's be ready to help those in our communities, our neighbours and in the church. Let's be ready. And the third one is give it to Jesus. Ask him to heal you, release you from the bitterness, anger, fear, hopelessness. And as I've said, depression. Then pray and keep praying. We're a very microwave society. We expect everything straight away. You've heard my story. I'm five years into this now. We're just waiting for uh, this, this family member to come back and for it to be healed. It might be another couple of years, but I'm ready. For you, that there's, there's hurts there you need to be healed from. Just keep praying. Keep praying because God says... He heals the brokenhearted and bandages their wounds. Then in Isaiah 58, it says, Then your salvation will come like the dawn, and your wounds will quickly heal. Matthew 11 says, Come to me, all who are weary, and carry heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. I'd love for the band to come up right now, because I'd like to pray. I'd like to pray for some of you who this 
message has probably really resonated with. I'd like to pray that today is the day that you're going to be healed. I'm going to pray that enough is enough in your life. I'm going to pray too for whatever situation you've got, that God will make it new. I'm going to pray too for every single one of you that you are going to love like you've never loved before. You're going to love like you've never been hurt. You're going to meet people in a new way, new relationships. Your relationships with your friends are going to change because you're going to love them. And as you love them, Jesus is just going to come out of you and they will know him through your love. So I'm just going to ask you now if you'd just like to bow your heads. And I'm just going to ask you very simply, if this has really resonated with you, I'm going to ask you just to put your hands up in the air. Why I want you to put your hands up in your air, the air is to acknowledge. You're saying, yes, Jesus, heal me. Yes, Jesus, I need to be healed from this hurt in my life. Yes, Jesus, I'm ready. Enough is enough. I've had enough of the pain. I've had enough of this situation. I want to see a reconciliation in my family, in my marriage, with my friends. And I'm putting my hands up because I want to love like I've never been hurt. If you're one of those people, I'm going to ask you right now to put your hands up, keep your hands up and say, yes, I want to love like I've never been hurt. I want to love so powerfully. I'm going to see people coming into the kingdom of God through my love. I'm going to win them for Jesus because people are going to see through me, Jesus. They're going to see the love I have for my brothers and my sisters, for my family and for my friends. And I want to be healed. So right now, as those hands go up, Father, you've seen those hands. You love those people. You want to reconcile those people to you. You want to heal them. I pray right now, Holy Spirit, you move in such a healing way right now that you will heal the pain. You will heal those wounds. Those wounds have been septic and infected. I break them now in Jesus' name and I declare the healing balm of the Holy Spirit spirit over these people right now. Father God, it says that you will create a new thing. I declare a new relationship with people, a new relationship with their family, their sisters, their brothers, their work colleagues. I declare right now that these people, every single person, whether they've got their hands up or not, their love volume will be up to 10. They will love like they've never been hurt. In Jesus' name, I pray. And everyone says, Amen. The last thing I have to do before I go is I've spoken about, you need to imitate Jesus. He was the best person that loves us so much. You can tell that I just love him so much. I love Jesus for what he's done. I'm going to be really honest with you that it was my praise request because it was my son who was in a road rage uh, incident on Friday night, and it was horrendous. But you know, my God saved my son because he loves us. And he's up. He's up in the Dominion Theatre doing all the sound production for Hillsong Church this morning. I can't be a happier mummy for that. I'm sort of blinking back a bit because I know how much my God loves me. 
And some of the people here, you might have heard that. You might have heard us talk about why we want to love so much. We want to love people. I believe there's some people here that I want to introduce to Jesus this morning. You don't know him as your Lord, your Savior, your friend. And I want to say, this is my Jesus. He walks with me through my high points and my low points. He never leaves me. He never forsakes me. He is a friend closer than anybody. He's a person I can talk to any moment of the day. He is my deliverer. He is my family protector. He loves me, whatever. And I want you because I love you all to know him like I love him. So with every head bowed, I'm going to ask you yet again to do something. And if you don't know Jesus and you want to know him, I want you just to lift your hands up right now and just say, yes, Sally, I want to know this Jesus. I want to know this Jesus who will love me whatever. I want to know this Jesus who's going to protect me. He's going to save me. He died on the cross for me. Even though he was betrayed and abandoned, he died for me. So if you want to know that Jesus one last time, I'm just going to ask anybody, just put your hands up. One of our lovely Connect team will see your hand. Thank you. And we're going to pray together. Heavenly Father, Sorry, all together, sorry, I didn't explain that well. So, Heavenly Father, thank you that you love me. You sent Jesus, your son, to die for me. Sorry for the things I've done wrong. Make me brand new. Change my heart. I surrender my life to you. I confess Jesus is Lord of my life. I am a new creation. I am a Christian. In Jesus' name, amen.